Mr. Ginger London, thank you for listening to the Ginger London Ministry Show. I'm excited about this series on relationships for single adults this week, and the title of the the, the, uh, the series this week is "Getting Ready for the Right Relationship." So, if you are a single adult and you've been dealing with relationships and you've been having some unfortunate relationship experience one after the other, before we get started, I want you to just take a moment, take a deep breath. And I want you to say to yourself, I'm ready to get ready. And we're going to open up with prayer, and we're going to get right into it. And I am believing that God is going to speak to your hearts on uh, tonight and for the rest of the week, and that we who are single adults are going to be ready for the relationship that God has ordained for our lives. A lot of times we don't experience relationships with the passion that we desire because, number one, we have faulty teaching or we have uh, erroneous beliefs about relationships, but also because we're just not ready sometimes. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just simply means that we need to position ourselves so that we can get ready for the right relationship. So let's take a moment and seek God in prayer and get right into the special teaching for tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on this evening. We bless your name, O oh God. And Father, as we humble ourselves, I pray, Holy Spirit, as I decrease and you increase, that you become the great teacher on tonight. Let all who have an ear to hear, hear what you're saying to the body of Christ, especially for the single adults on tonight. We thank you that we are humbled by being able to even get into your presence to hear from you. And we know that we will commit ourselves to not only just be hearers of the word, but we'll become doers as you shape our lives to be the fantastic people uh, that you have ordained for us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So the series again is getting ready for uh, the right relationship. And before we get started with tonight's teaching, I want to just briefly give you a recap of or give uh, what's going to be happening all week so you'll know what each sex, sex session is going to be about. Tonight we're going to be talking about what is your love intelligence. And we're going to de- uh, get into uh, finding out what it is that you know about love, what do you know about relationship, but more importantly, what is it that you know about yourself? as it relates to love and relationships. You know, what is the core of your being and what establishes you to be ready for the right relationship? On show no, on the segment number two, we're going to be talking about why we choose the people that we love. And so we're going to be looking at, if you've ever had a relationship in the past, the question that's going to be presented to you is, have you ever wanted a, re- a responsible, mature partner only to end up with an irresponsible, unreliable person who drove you crazy. And so we're going to be taking a look at how we end up with the people that we end up with or how we choose the people that we choose. Uh, Show number three, we're going to be talking about falling in love for the wrong reasons. And so we're going to be looking at uh, the reasons why people enter into uh, relationships, and we're going to 
talk about how we sometimes end up in the same type of relationship and we have this perpetual um, devastating uh, result where the relationship doesn't end, it's a bad fit, it's a misfit of some kind. And so we're going to be looking at the reasons why. You know, like did you rush into the relationship? Was it because of loneliness and desperation? Were you trying to avoid growing up? Um, Were you trying to feel an emotional or spiritual uh, emptiness? So we'll look at some of those in show number three. In show number four, we're going to be talking about the biggest mistakes we make in the beginning of a relationship. Sometimes we're just um, overtaken by uh, infatuation or admiration towards a person. And, and so we make some mistakes and we ignore some warning signs and uh, or we do some things in the beginning of that relationship that we should not have done. In uh, show number five, we're going to be looking at the ten types of relationships that don't work. And we're going to specifically target some relationships that absolutely under no circumstances will they work. They're doomed from the beginning. And if you make those choices, then you're going to find yourself in a bad um, situ- uh, situation. For example, are you on a rescue mission? Are you trying to rescue a person? Are you trying to uh, get them uh, out of something that they're in? Well, if you try to rescue a person out of something, then that's that's doomed from from the beginning because the, because the word of God says that if you rescue a man, you will have to keep rescuing him. And so you'll never there will never be any mutual benefit. And then on the, the last show, part six, we're going to be talking about when is it right, when is it the right time to be with someone or to begin a relationship. And so we're going to learn some strategies on how to recognize when you're ready. And also we're going to look at some strategies on how to recognize when you are um compatible with uh, a particular person. And so let's get started with tonight's session. Session number one is what is your love intelligence? And so when we talk about intelligence, love intelligence, what we're talking about is we're talking about what is what information do you have about love and then how do you use that information? And love can be defined in many, many different ways. We know about agape love, which is God's unconditional love. But during this series, we're going to be talking about romantic love. Or um, And so uh, romantic love is defined as a strong affection uh, for another arising out of a kinship, which could be like family or personal ties. Uh, it's also uh, based on admiration. It's based on common interests. And when you're talking about a romantic relationship, you're talking about a love affair. And I mean that in the good sense, where there's a romantic attachment. And so that's how love is going to be defined, and that's the definition that we'll use throughout the rest of the week. When you talk about intelligence, and this is the area that's very important, because sometimes in, uh, we think we know more than what we know, and we don't really know as much as we think we know. And so intelligence is um, defined uh, from Webster. Uh, it's a definition that I love. It says the ability to learn or understand or to deal with new or trying situations. The ability to learn or understand. And that's, that's uh, what, what is your love intelligence is all about. What has been over the past, what ability have you used to learn about love? A lot of times what we've learned has been in the kitchen, talking to relatives, and really it's people's opinions. It's uh, been some uh, experiences of what they've been through. Uh, it's been our friendships. 
uh, some of our friends who've gone through bad relationships, and so they think they're experts. And so we're sitting, we're having coffee at lunch at at IHOP or wherever the case may be, and they're talking. And we, you know, because they went through a bad relationship, we think they have insight onto something. But that's not always true. They can tell you about what they went through, give you their testimony, but they're not always necessarily the best teachers. Because a lot of times when people are hurt and bruised, then they become. Um, they're not the best teachers because there's a wall up. So you don't get everything. You get what they want to give you as a result of being hurt and of being uh, bruised. And so intelligence is also your understanding, your awareness. What are, you, what are your feelings about it? What reaction do you have? What passion or, or what enthusiasm do you have about love? And if you are someone who's unhealed and you're um, and wounded, then the passion that you have is going to be drained out of you. And so when we talk to you and we listen to you talk about relationships, it will be from a negative perspective. So you have to reacquire some knowledge or intelligence in that area. You have to develop some self-awareness. How do I feel about this, about relationships? And how are these feelings affecting the way that I am relating? Um, and so, And that's important. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to have uh, a healthy conversation about it. And that's what I want to do this week. I want us to have a, a genuine, healthy conversation. I want you to engage in the conversation with me as we talk about these different things about getting ready for the right relationship. One of the biggest privileges that God has given us as human beings is the ability to communicate with one another. And sometimes we use that communication skill in a positive way and sometimes we use it in a negative way. But if we use it positively, then we can have good, wholesome conversations and we can help one another to do exactly what the Word says, and that is to exhort one another, encourage one another, and to build one another up. Even when we've gone through some bad things, if we learn how to communicate that bad experience in such a way that I'm not only not tearing myself down, but I'm not tearing down you or the um, the relationship process um, at the same time, then that's when I'm having a good conversation with someone. You know, a good conversation is when you hear what I'm saying and I turn around and hear what you're saying, even if you have to correct me, even if you have to give me some insight, even if you have to shed some light on my part in the whole matter. Can I have a good conversation? And that's what I want us to do this week, have a, a good conversation about uh, relationships. So let's let's talk. Relationships are all around us. Our life is relationships. Everything in life that truly matters comes down to relationships. Almost everything that we do touches a relationship in some way or other. And as single adults, how you handle and engage in relationships in your life is determined by many factors. But the ones that I want to focus on tonight are what you think about relationships, how you feel about relationships, and then how you handle relationships. And so that's what I mean by your love intelligence. What are you thinking about relationships? How do you feel about relationships? And then how do you handle relationships? And remember, we're all born single. So none of us comes into this world married. None of us comes into the world knowing how to have a relationship. Even with our parents, we have to learn. Even from uh, an infant stage, we have to learn how to have relationships with even our parents. So the scripture that's going to be our basis for tonight is Proverbs 23, 7, that says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what do you think about being single? That determines how you get yourself ready for the right relationship 
or any relationship. And whatever your thoughts are will determine if you have the right relationship or good relationship or if you end up repeating the bad relationship cycle. So what do you think about it? Are your thoughts, do you have anxious thoughts about it? So if, you, if, you're, if you're a person who's um, not content in your single state, then if the enemy gets in or if, if you allow society with their statistics, with what they think about it, if you allow that stuff to infiltrate into your spirit, what will happen is you'll begin to have anxious thoughts about being single. And so uh, you, what happens is you start uh, looking in the mirror and you say things like, if you're a guy, you know, oh, I'm getting bald, I'm getting old, I better hurry up, my time is running out. If you're a lady or even a man, you might look at them, see, I'm seeing wrinkles, you know, I see these laugh lines or, you know, uh, you say, I'm getting older, you know, I'm putting on weight, uh, I may never get married. You know, you start having thoughts that would indicate to you that, you're not really drawing the right relationship to you because your thoughts are anxious. You will end up moving out in a, uh, too fast, and you end up having the wrong type of relationship because the thought that it activates you, activated you to move was not a healthy thought. It may be true that you're putting on weight. It may be true that you're going bald. It may be true that you're getting some laugh lines right around your smile, or it may be true that you're getting older, but it's not necessarily true that you'll never get married. And so you have to know how to filter through those thoughts and know which of the word of God says to bring into captivity every thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. And so you must learn how to filter through those negative thoughts that will keep you from getting uh, being prepared for the right relationship or even being um, the person that someone else would actually want to um connect with. Uh, ancient thoughts will have you believe in statistics. For example, I know most of you probably have heard that there's what, five to seven uh, women to every one man, you know. Uh, I mean, no, five to seven men for every one man, and every one woman, every woman. I think I said that right. To every woman, there's, is that right? I think I got it right. I'm, I'm talking so fast, I'm getting it all mixed up. But there's five women to one man. So now you're thinking that for the women that they're, well, okay, well, if, if that's the case, then which one of us is going to get him? Then you hear only 42% of black women get married. Well, if that statistic is true and you're like me in the traditional marriage, male and female, if only 42% of black women marry, there has to be a percentage of men that doesn't marry. So why can't the two, those two percentages get connected with one another so we can do away with the statistics? Okay, then also you might say, well, if you're over 35, you'll never marry. Well, if you allow that to get in, that means that you're not keeping track of what's going on in society because even in society, men and women are waiting until they're older before they get married as well as have children. So we know that's not true because the trend now is people wait for whatever reason, whether it's getting their careers uh, together, whether it's um, uh, just wanted uh, to, to become more matured in life before they do it. Whatever it is, you have a lot of people who are waiting beyond 18, 19, and 20 before they get married, and even further on before they have children. So you have to learn how to filter through all of those thoughts that will keep you uh, from moving um, in the right direction. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 tells us not to take thought or to be worried about the, the, the cares of the world, like what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what clothes you're going to put on. In other words, don't be so concerned 
about the everyday things in life that it leads you to worry. Where you sit up, you have wasted nights where you're worried about whether or not you'll ever get married. Will anybody ever find me attractive? Uh, you know, will I ever find the right woman? You know, uh, why haven't I gotten married? Is there something wrong with me? All of those kinds of things that go through your mind. The Word of God says don't worry about that. If you seek first the kingdom of heaven, God will add all of those other things unto you, including that desire that you have for, for, the, for a better relationship. Um, there's a lot of pressure on single adults. That's nothing new. You know, people have been pressuring single adults for a long time. You have people who say, well, you know, well, when are you going to get married? You know you're not getting older. All your brothers and sisters are married. Well, all your friends are married. There's always been pressure on single adults to get married. So you can't give in to, give in to that because that pressure has always been there. What you have to do is settle within yourself that you have to make get some contentment and you have to get some wholeness within you so that when people begin to say those things to you, you you can reply with, there's a time and a season for everything. And when God's season and time is for me to get married, that's when I'll get married. All right? And so how do you feel? Let's look at how do you feel. That's the thinking part, you know, what you think about uh, relationships. And uh, keep that in mind because that, that is so powerful because Whatever's going on in your thought life, it's going to show up in your everyday activities. It's going to show up. As a man thinks, so is he. The mind tells the body, the rest of the body, what to do. So if you have negative thoughts about being single, then you'll be a negative single. There's no, there's no way possible that you can have negative thoughts about being single and then be a positive single at the same time. One of those will be a mask, and whatever's going on in your, your mind is not a mask. It's the actual thoughts that you're having. But you can change your thinking and get your mind renewed by, by lining it up to what the Word of God says. So how do you feel about um, being single? Let's look at that for a minute. How do you feel about being single? Uh, Paul talks about it. He says, you know, that he's learned to be contented, so whatever, whatever state that he is in, and uh, that's where we need to be contented no matter in whatever state that we're in. It's hard to do that. It's very challenging uh, to do that sometimes because when you're looking around, you know, you see a lot of people in uh, what strong, healthy relationships as well as those unhealthy relationships. And, uh, again, goes going back to what you're thinking, um, your thought pattern can mess up your contentment. Amen. So you have to make sure that uh, whatever you're thinking is lining up with what the Word of God says about uh, what you're thinking. So how do you feel about relationship? Uh, you have to come to the place where you can take a self-examination and you have to be able to say that you're grounded right here in whatever state that you're in. So if you are in a single state, are you grounded? And what I mean by grounded is what type of character do you have? Do you have the Do you have the right character, you know, uh, in your single state, um, is it what is it shaped by? You know, do you know who you really are? If you were to meet someone and he or she was to ask you, tell me a little bit about yourself. Would you be lim- would you be limited in simply saying, "Oh, I'm a school teacher. I um, I fly airplanes. I'm an airplane pilot." Would your description about yourself be what you do and not who you are? If that's the case, then you have to go back and get grounded and be able to discover what is that you what are those unique qualities about you? What is unique about you? What are your what are you what are you what are your interests? What are your skills, your abilities in life? And I mean everyday life, not your job. You know, what do you like to do? Where do you like to go? Those are the things that sometimes we know those things about ourselves, but sometimes when we're asked those things, we hesitate to answer because we've been told that um 
you know, don't brag on yourself, don't talk too much. And, and in a lot of cases that is true, but there uh, are times when you really should open yourself up and let people get to experience the authentic you, the real you, the true you, the you that God created you to be. It's okay to tell people what your strengths are, what you're good at. You know, I like to read books. You know, I like to go to movies. I like festivals. You know, you have to be able to identify those things or unique characteristics and qualities within yourself so that when you um, are asked the question, who are you, or if you're asked, or if you're uh, the statement is made, tell me a little bit about yourself. Then you're not afraid to do that because you know the the authentic you. You know the real you, and you will jump right up and say, well, okay, sure. And then you'll tell someone about the real you. And then from there, they can decide from there if they can handle being with the real you. Uh, the reason why you need to be able to do that because you are a reward to somebody. And, you know, it takes one person to bless you. It takes one person to mess you up. And it's the same thing with you. You can either be a blessing to somebody's life or you can be somebody who can go in and wreak and wreak havoc in somebody's life. I choose to be a blessing when I go to I want God to make me a blessing uh, for someone's life. So you are a reward to somebody. And it's, and because of that, you know that there's value placed on reward. And so you have to see yourself as being valuable. You have to see yourself as being a precious gem in the sight of God, male or female. And that while I'm waiting for God to send the one that he um, has purposed for my life, then I have to be confident in knowing that I'm that reward to somebody. And, and, and when I know that, I can do what the scripture says. I can guard my heart with all diligence because out of it springs the issues of life. That means that can't know anybody or come in here and mess up what God has done unless I take the boundaries down and allow them in and let them do whatever they want to do in my life. But when you realize that you are a reward to somebody, that God has equipped you to be the best that you can possibly be, that he has made you a precious gem to fit right into the right setting in somebody's life, then you will appreciate that. And then you will you will not arrogantly but confidently uh, walk around with your head held high, knowing that it's nothing. there's nothing wrong with being single. I'm a blessing to somebody, and when the right person comes along, he or she will be blessed because I'm in his or her life, okay? And so uh, if you don't become grounded uh, in your life, then what happens is you lose sight of who you really are. You must know your core values. What is it that you believe about relationships? What do you believe about your life? Take relationships out. What do you believe about your life? What are your core values? You know, do you believe that the word of God is is um, authoritative? It's, it's the authority of your it's the authority of your life. What do you believe about your relationship with God? What do you believe about uh, what are your morals as it relates to life? Do you believe um, what the Scripture tells us to do? If you're single, that you be concerned about the things of the Lord. Um, uh, and 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 how you can please Him, uh, maintaining holiness. Now, what are your core values? If you don't have core values and if you don't have core beliefs, then you can meet someone and they could change everything up. And before you know it, you're confused. I don't know if the Bible is true or I don't know if what he said is true. I don't know if what I don't know if I should do what the word says or should, should I do what she said because she says she loves me and well, if she has my she, if she loves me, she must have my best interest at heart. So you have to have a core set of beliefs and a, and a core set of values in your own life that you stand on, that no matter who it is, whether she's the prettiest person in town or whether he's the, the best-looking guy in town, they cannot come in and shake the core of your being and dismantle everything that God has already purposed um, in your life. So you must know what your core beliefs are, what your values are, 
who is the authentic you? And if at some point in your life you have gone through uh, the bad uh, relationship cycle and you've repeated that over and over again, then what you need to do is reconnect to your core uh your authentic self or your core beliefs. That means that you have to get back into the word and you may have to go to Psalm 139 and say, God, you know all about me. You know everything that there is to know about me. You know, uh, when I get up, you know, when I sit down, you know, the words I'm going to say before they even come off my tongue. God, you know me so well that you, that you made the intricate parts of me, those most delicate parts, including those, including those wounded areas. You know all about that. God, you know, you said I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to go back to that fearfully and wonderfully made state that you created me in. You knew me when I was in my mother's womb. I need to go back to that innocent place where I can discover once again who you created me to be. And then I need you to put a hedge of protection around me so that no one can come in and rip the shreds the person that you created me to be. So if you're in that place, I encourage you to read Psalm 139 and ask God to take you back through that journey of knowing all about you and then say, God, teach me about myself. Teach me about whom, what my strengths are. What, what areas am I weak in? What are the unique qualities that you placed on the inside of me? What am I gifted at doing? What's special about me? Is it my smile, my eye, the color of my eyes? You know, and, and those are physical things. But you know, I'm talking spiritual. But what is it about me that that's so unique, God, that I can feel good about who I am, regardless of what state that I am? Because you know, yourself really does matter. You know. Um, you have to find out to the core of your being who you are. Don't let anyone feed. I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm not when I say self, I don't mean the flesh part of you that's trying to war against the spirit. I'm talking about self meaning your identity. Who am I God? Who have you created me to be? And don't get so spiritual that you don't know who you are. You know, we say, you know, a lot of times and it's all good when we say, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm a I'm a daughter of the king. You know, I'm a son of God. I'm a I'm a king's kid, you know, and all of those things are good. But when we get past saying that, can we actually go into the core of our being and tell someone who we really are? That's going to make the difference. And so I encourage you to go to the core of your being and ask God to show you who you are. That's what your love intelligence is. God, before I even love anybody, what knowledge do I have about myself? And what is it about that knowledge that sets me in a place where I'm grounded in what it is you've called me to do? I'm grounded in who you have created me to be, where nothing can come and shake the core of my being. That I'm discerning enough to know that when the wrong person shows up, I need to tell them, keep going. You're not the right one. And not be afraid of being rejected, being by myself, not in a relationship. But if anybody comes and he is not the one or she is not the one to even have a good friendship with, I have enough discernment to know when that person shows up and enough boldness to say, you are not assigned to me. And I cannot and will not have a relationship with someone who I'm not assigned to. Remember, you are a reward to somebody and and that's uh, when you remember that, that is when you're going to be able to take a stand and actually guard what God has done in your life. So you have to know that self matters. The self, um, the authentic self is the real you. That's the real, and that's who we all need to experience. You don't save that person just for a romantic relationship. If you practice 
uh, allowing the real you to come out, it'll show up in every area of relationship, whether it's your family relationship, a good friendship. It'll show up on your job with your coworkers. It'll show up in personal romantic relationships. If you're married and you're listening, it'll show up in your marriage. When you practice, when you develop a practice or a discipline of allowing the real you to come out and not be behind walls and glasses and you know barriers and all that stuff, when the real you comes out, you'll be able to actually say, uh, here's who, here I am, and the person who's open to receiving the real you will receive the reward, the blessing of being able to know you. When you have the, fic- the fictional self, that's not the real you. That's when you wear a mask. That's when you pretend, you know, uh, uh, that you're not living um, uh, factually or faithfully you're, you, uh, in your authentic self. You feel incomplete, and so you feel like there's a hole in your soul, and we say it another way, uh, that the, there's a void there. And because there's an emptiness there and a void there, you don't know how to get it filled, you put a mask on. Because you don't want anybody to know that that void is there. You don't want anybody to know you feel incomplete. You don't want anybody to know you have a fear of rejection. You don't want anybody to know that you um, are afraid that you'll never get married. You don't want anybody to know that you don't feel pretty or you don't feel handsome. So you put a mask on. The danger in putting the mask on is even when you haven't taken the mask off, the mask allows the fictional you to come through. So even when you wear a mask, people still figure you out. You you think you have them fooled, and the reality is they figured out already that it's a it's a mask that you're wearing. So you have the mask on, but while you're wearing the mask, the only person fooled is you. Because if if the person you're related to has any level of intelligence about relationships whatsoever, you have that mask on in the beginning, but there will be something that you say or do along the way in that relationship that will raise a a, a red flag or a warning sign. And that person will begin to pay attention to your words. He or she will pay attention to your body language. They'll pay attention to your behavior. And then they will eventually figure out that you have a mask on and they're not dealing with with the real person. And usually in cases like that, one of two things happens. They either give you a chance to take the mask off and put the real you forward. And some people will even give you room to grow. And then there are some people when you wear a mask and they figure out that you have a mask on, they turn to the other way and they never look back. So wearing the mask doesn't work in your favor because it's so much it's so challenging when somebody recognizes that you have the mask on and then they challenge you to change and grow. Now you have to first number one admit that you have a mask on and then number two you have to accept the challenge for change and growth. Well, most people who wear masks won't accept the challenge for change and growth because then they have to admit that they were uh, that they were phony and that there are some areas that need to be developed. They're not going to do that because that's the reason the mask is on, because I don't want you to know that I have areas in my life that need to be developed. So you miss, you miss out tremendously when you have a mask on, because if you're not strong, you will never take it off. You'll only take it off through the delivering power of God when you're delivered from it. But if you have to take it off on your own, it won't come off because you put it there because of some because of some personal insecurities that you have on the inside of you. And so the whole time that you're wearing that mask, the mask is sending you false information about yourself. You know you're weak in the area, but the mask will tell you that you're strong. And so in your conversation, when you're talking to somebody, you'll say, I'm strong, when you really know that you're weak. The mask will send you false information and uh, and have you thinking you're so intelligent. Well, you're not, you know, not to put you down, but you're not. And so you're a brag. You become braggadocious and conceited and 
overly confident and all those things while the mask is on. It's faulty because deep on the inside, there's a low self, you have low self-esteem, a lack of confidence, and no intelligence. And so the mask sends you false information, and you're trying to live your life on that false information. And because it's not real, at some point, the false information will give away from under you, and you'll hit burning crash. And then you'll be trying to figure out what happened, and you'll look up, and the person is gone, and then you're back to right there to square one. Why can't I ever have a good relationship? Why I keep getting in, uh, having these bad relationships? And so when you tell the story to one of your friends, you'll tell the story in such a way as if the other person was at fault, and you won't tell your friend you had a mask on. And that's why the relationship crashed. And so you have to begin to first you have to decide that you don't want to wear the mask anymore. You're tired of hiding. You're tired of pretending to be someone that you're not. You're tired of pretending like you're strong when you're not strong. You're tired of pretending uh, like you're intelligent. You're so independent. You're so great when you know that you're really not, that you're really hurting or you're weak in a certain area or you're not as confident as you should be as a single. When you get tired, you will stop all of that and you'll say, God, I give in, I give up, deliver me, and you'll say, Put me at a place where I'm not, where I'm still, and I can watch you work on me, and I won't do anything until you completed the work that you want to do for that season before I try to connect with anybody. And so that's where you have to take, absolutely, you have to take the mask off. The real you has to come out. And the reason why the real you has to come out is because as long as you have um, the mask on, you will not have genuine relationships. And you can't get ready like that. Because the real you is not what's being prepared. It's the fictional you or the fake you that's trying to be prepared. And because it's false, it can't it can't get true preparation. So falling in love is magical. Um, it's one of those things that everybody desires. To, you know, most people, I should not say everybody, but most people desire when they're single because it's a powerful experience. You know, with every uh, phone call, even if you're as a single adult, you know, when you're attracted to somebody and they call, you get the butterflies, you get excited. You know, you've got a smile on your face even if he or she can't see you. You know, every moment in the beginning of the relationship seems right at that time. You know, and if you're not, not the, if the real you is not present in the beginning of the relationship, what happens is when the dust settles from the excitement of the new relationship uh, getting started, what will happen is you, you'll be brought down to earth and the challenging relationships, uh, the challenges of a relationship will now come to 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 the surface, and you're either going to stick it out or you're going to bail and run, because if you if you're wearing the mask, you have to you'd almost have to bail and run because you don't want to be discovered or found out. And so let's take a look at um, what are some of the reasons why they don't why relationships don't work or why you know when you're in that place where you really don't uh, know who you really are why the relationships don't work. And this is key because. If you don't know who you are, you will always be trying to fill that void of knowledge, uh, that knowledge void with something other than the information that can actually shape and define you and get you to uh, bring out the best qualities that are on the inside of you that God has created. Usually what happens is we don't really know yourself. Uh, relationship, there are two main reasons why the relationship doesn't work. Number one is you're with the right person, but you're loving wrong. And the reason why you're loving wrong is because you, the real you is not coming out and your intelligence is limited because that mask that you wear is blocking the flow of anything um, substantial or important for taking root in your life. You, you, 
the mask lets only faulty information comes out, but it doesn't allow any good information to come in because if the correct information comes in, the mask then has to come off. And so if you're hiding behind it, you don't really want it to come off. So every time you go through a relationship, it doesn't work because the mask stops the flow of everything. It only lets faulty information out, but it does not allow anything uh, genuine or corrective come in into your life. And so uh, you could be with the right person, but you're not loving correctly because the real you is not there. Um, and then number two, you are with the wrong person. Okay, and so even though, um, say you're not wearing a mask, the genuine you is there, if your love intelligence is low, if you don't understand love, and if you don't understand romantic relationships, how they're formed and how they actually are developed or how the intensity of them uh, continues on, you could actually hook, uh, actually find yourself with the um, with the wrong person. You could be the brightest person on earth, and if you're not careful, you could actually uh, be with the wrong person, and you could be with someone who's uh, incompatible. Uh, you don't have, a, you won't share any common values, and and the way that you know that those are some of the ways to know. But you'll really know if in your mind, if you honestly check, you have to make sure that you're not in a relationship because you don't want to be alone. If you're in a relationship because you don't want to be alone, or if you're in a relationship because you have a fear of being rejected, nine times out of ten, you're going to hook up with the wrong person. Um, or you will you so desperately want to be in a relationship, you'll be in a relationship with someone who has a lot of flaws, fatal flaws, I should say, because none of us are really perfect. But there are some people who have some fatal flaws. I mean, they have some 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 situations or things going on in their life right out the bat. When you find out, you need to stop and give them room to get delivered and be healed. And if they choose not to, you cannot enter into a relationship uh, with that person. So the real you has to be present um, so you can know how you really feel what your genuine feelings are about love so that you won't make the wrong choices because whom you choose to love is as important as how you choose to love. And you can only make good choices in whom you love or who you love when your feelings are correct. If you are hurting, if you're wounded, if you're bruised or in any capacity, or if your thinking is distorted, if your beliefs are irrational, you will not make healthy choices in a relationship. You will make faulty choices, and you will find yourself saying uh, things like, you know, uh, why didn't I recognize that? Why didn't I see that coming? You know, how could I have been so stupid? How did I uh, get involved with that uh, person? How in the world did that happen? All those kinds of questions uh, in your mind will come up, and then you will have to stop and take an honest look at what really was going on within you that caused you to actually uh, be engaged in that type of relationship or pick that particular person. So it's going to be real important that you uh, be able to identify uh, that how you feel about relationships. Do you feel that way because you had some bad relationships and things didn't work out, and so now you're angry? And so when you pick your relationships, you pick the people who you can actually scream, shout, holler at, and they won't say anything in return. And so now, instead of having a healthy relationship, the only thing that you were really interested in is somebody who you can actually lash out at, who you can take it out of, because the person you're really angry with, the relationship ended, and that person has gone on. So because now you're angry that that relationship didn't work, you now have this angry feeling towards relationships. And so when you now when you enter into a relationship, you don't 
pick that person because he's healthy or she's healthy. You choose a, a person that's going to allow you to lash out at them. And the way that you know that you, it'll work is because initially you got your best face on, so to speak, or you got the best face of the mask on. You don't even let that person know that you're angry at relationships. And just when you think you've locked them in, you'll test the waters. And so somewhere they'll they'll do something maybe to um, make you angry or disappoint you a little bit. And so you lash out. I mean, you just hurl all kind of crazy stuff comes out of your mouth. And if they don't do anything, bingo, that's exactly what you were looking for, somebody who would not respond back to you. And so now whenever you feel like venting, when you have a when you have like a flashback, you know of that previous relationship, then you already know you connected to you already know, this the this perfect right here. This the punching bag right here. So when you have a flashback, you now lash out at this person because you know he or she is not going to respond back. They just think you had a bad day. They have no idea you don't have you didn't have a bad day. You have bad feelings going on on the inside of you, and you just and now you're looking for somebody else to push those feelings off on and make them feel. Uh, Worse than what you're feeling. And, and a lot of times it works. And so now that person leaves a relationship with you and they're scarred or they're wounded because they didn't defend themselves. And so when that person is gone, they're gone, wounded, and what do you care? You're looking for the next purpose. You're looking for the next prey. You're looking for the next person because that's your goal. You're now angry because things didn't work out. So you're looking for people that you can lash out and take an attack on, you know, to rip them to shreds. Because you're still angry about what happened in a previous relationship or a relationship that was five years ago. And you feel like you just, you know, and you have no, uh-uh. I'm still angry. Nobody's paid enough price here yet. I went through a lot with that food, and I'm still angry. So rather than getting yourself healed, you're now on the prey for who you can wound and hurt and damage, thinking it makes you feel good. And the reality is it doesn't make you feel good. It really makes you feel even worse because instead of you developing and growing into the person that God wants you to be, you have to constantly lock yourself in a place where you don't change. So there's no way if you're wounded, angry, and hurt that you can stay like that for the majority of your life and tell me you're happy with being at that place. And then turn around and say you're ready for the right relationship. It will never happen for you. Eventually, you will find yourself being alone because the word to get out what kind of person you are, and that's dangerous. So let's look at some things, some uh, myths about love. And a lot of times the myths that are out there about love and love relationships, that's basically where we get our intelligence from. And uh, not from the word of God and from people who have wisdom about relationship, we we take it from the myths. And we really try to make the myths a reality and make them true. But in rea- if we if we were really honest, you know, for those of us who are uh, maybe uh, a little older or had more experience in relationships, if you take an evaluation and uh, look back over your relationships, you can honestly say that, um, yeah, when I was when I was back there, I, I, I believed in a lot of myths, but when you desire to grow and to change, what will happen is your spirit will crave intelligence or I would say knowledge. That's what I mean by that. And you will be, you will have a hunger and a thirst for the right way to do things and for the right knowledge. The word of God says in Hosea 4, 6 that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And it goes on to say because you rejected knowledge. And a lot of times we hold on to myths 
and we reject truth. And we wonder why our relationships don't work or why we're not ready for a relationship or why nothing has happened the way that we desire for it to happen. It's because we have a lack of knowledge. We have a lot of myths, but we have a lack of knowledge. And knowledge is powerful. Myths are not powerful. They're just something that will keep us on the, on the, in, the, in the infatuation lane of a relationship. So here's the first one. True love conquers all. And we know that that's a myth, right? You know, love covers a multitude of sin, but it doesn't conquer. The only love that conquers all was the love that Jesus had when he died on the cross. But when we talk about romantic relationship, true love does not conquer all. And um, here's the thing. Let me give you an example uh, that it doesn't conquer all. If you're in a relationship with somebody and that person um, criticizes you all the time, just because you love that person doesn't mean that he's going to stop criticizing you. It doesn't mean that she is going to stop criticizing you. So all the love that you have for that person still has to stop that person from criticizing you, right? Another one is you fight constantly uh, over different things in a relationship. You're always arguing about any nitpicky little thing. Well, you say you love that person, and you say you have true love for that person, well, if you have true love for that person and if true, if true love conquers everything, why is it that those, those petty fights haven't stopped yet? Why is that? So you have the true love doesn't conquer all. One way to be a conqueror is that you have to sit down and you have to work through the things that have to be conquered, work through the things that have to be resolved. The love can be genuine, but because I love you doesn't stop you from doing wrong. Jesus loved us all, but some of us still do wrong. Most of us do wrong. But just because I love you doesn't mean that you're going to stop drinking. Because I love you doesn't mean you're going to stop doing drugs. Just because I love you doesn't mean that you're going to stop being unfaithful in the relationship. It means that I love you, but it doesn't. that love that I have for you doesn't stop you from doing the things that you're doing or behaving the way that you actually behave. All right? So when you believe in this particular myth, what happens is you avoid facing your relationship problems. Or, or seeking solution to the problems. You know, you, you come up with, you know I love you. So, you know, well, you know I love you. But that's not enough. If you want the relationship to work, it goes beyond just saying I love you. It goes into actually putting something into place that is evident that you're trying to actually make this relationship work and not just hear me say that I love you or not just hear you say that um that I love you. When you believe love conquers all, true love conquers all, that myth, it also leaves you in a position where you stay in you stay in unhealthy relationships too long, or you stay in relationships uh, that are unloving, unfulfilling, um, and you you just keep saying stuff like, "Well, if I just love her more, if I just show her more love, she'll stop. If I just show him more love, you know, he'll stop. If I just if I'm just there for this, going through something right now, and if I just stop." If I just love her more, that person will stop. It'll, it'll be over with it in, uh, shortly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it keeps you in unhealthy, unloving, and unfulfilling relationships because you're believing that if you love more, that everything will change in a relationship. The only way that anything will change in a relationship, it has to be uh, a mutual participation where you're doing something and the person who's doing the thing that you want to change has to make a decision that they're going to put forth an effort to stop doing whatever it is that they're doing. All right? So you cannot um, love a person enough to make a relationship work. The only way you can do that is if the love in the relationship is mutual. 
and if the the intent of the relationship is mutual, if our goals in this relationship are mutual, if we're both striving to make this relationship work, then we can then we can go through this you know on the foundation of love, but we still have some action steps that we have to take to make it work. The second myth about love is that when it really when it's really true love, you would know it the moment you meet the other person. You know, sometimes that may happen. You know, of course it happened, you know, in the word a couple of times, but overall when we look at our lives today, you can't really say that you know, uh if it's really if it's true love, you'll know it the moment that you meet the other person. That's not always the case. You know, when you meet the other person, you, you know, you meet them, uh, you might be attracted to them, you might say, oh, that seems like a nice guy, you know, or she seems like a nice person. It's not going to be until you actually engage in some conversation um, with that person, some interaction, where you're going to be able to discern and discover if that person truly is the right person for you. And the love has to be developed over time. And then I know that when it's developed over time and it's according to the word of God, then I can truly say that the love that I have for you is genuine and not some type of infatuation that I'm caught up in or caught up with. All right. If you believe in myth number two, what happens is you'll dwell on the uh, on the intense connection or the chemistry and you will avoid examining the rest of the relationship. Well, I liked it when I first met him. I mean, I mean, I had butterflies in my stomach. I was seeing stars. I mean, he was so cute. You know, or she was so good looking. I mean, she just really turned my head when I first saw her. And what happened is you'll go, you'll keep going back to when you first met that person instead of dealing with what has happened since you've met that person. Okay, as good looking as he is, does he return phone calls? As good looking as he is, you know, is he polite? Does he open doors? You know, uh, does he treat you like a lady? As good looking as she is, does she insult you in public? As good looking as she is, does she ignore you when she's out? You know, when you guys are out in public, does she ignore you when she's talking to other people and act like you're not there? How do they treat you during the course of the relationship? If you believe in that myth, then what will happen is you'll keep your mind will keep reverting back to when you first met the person and you will be in denial about what's going on in the relationship right now. And so you will get addicted to the beginnings of the relationship and um, you won't pay attention to what's going on in the relationship. It takes it takes really uh, just a moment for you to be infatuated with someone, but it really takes uh, some time for true love to be developed with a person. You really, to know that it's genuine love, you have to spend some time with that person. You're going to have to have some conversations all sorts of things. It's not just me looking at you for the first time thinking, oh, I'm in love with him. You know, we may say that as a saying, but the reality is if it's genuine, it's going to develop over a course of time. Uh, myth number three, there is only one true love in the world who is right for you. If that was the case, then we have some people who would have never got, who would never ever get married a second time. You know, you could, even the widows. Uh, because if their husband died early, they meet somebody, somebody might meet someone, fall in love with that person. If it was only one person in this whole world that was right for you, nobody else, then a lot of people probably would not be married because I'm sure there are some people who missed it. Where the person who was a good person who was right in front of them, they said no to the proposal. And that person went on, may have been hurt, may have been disappointed, devastated even. And they went on, and when they got healed, they met somebody else, 
made another proposal, and that person said yes, and they're now happy. So it's that's a myth that there's only one person in the whole world that is right for you. Can you imagine how hard it would be to find that one person in the whole world that is right for you? Most of us, uh, not most of us, let me say some people never travel outside of the city that he or she lives in. So if you don't go outside the city that you live in, I know that you haven't even traveled in the state that you live in. So if you haven't left the city and it's only one person in the whole world, what are you going to do if you live in Chicago and the person that God has for you lives in Texas? If you never leave home, how are you ever going to meet the other person in the world that is right for you? So you have to, you you know, when you mature and you grow into the things of God, you have to know that some of these things are myths. And But a lot of times we choose to believe that. And when you choose to believe that, this particular myth that there's only one right person in the whole world, um, then what happens is you miss a lot of good relationships because now you're comparing people to a fantasy that you pictured in your mind. Now, you don't know who the person is, but if you believe it's only one right person, then you really have to create in your mind who that right person is. You have to you, you have to imagine what they look like. You have to imagine what kind of person that is, what the characteristics, qualities. You have to create that person in your mind. And so when you create that person in your mind, that person becomes a fantasy. So you're so caught up in one right person that when people show when somebody shows up in your life, you're now comparing them to the fantasy. Well the fantasy isn't real. So nobody will ever line up to the fantasy. And so now you're de- you're gonna become disappointed because you're trying to figure out why you've never met the right person yet. Well, you never met the right one because it was a fantasy in your mind or in a myth that you were believing in. Instead of letting that myth go and, break, and letting the guards down, so to speak, and do away with the fantasy so that you can meet somebody who can become the right or can be the right person for you. So there's more than one person that can actually fit that uh, place as the right person uh, for you. Uh, then the myth number four is the perfect partner will fulfill you completely in every way. You must be fulfilled before the partner shows up. That doesn't mean that the person that you connect with doesn't bring something to the table and doesn't bring some type of joy and excitement and even some um, fulfillment to your life. But it won't be from the core being of an empty vessel. It'll be from a, a, a vessel that is already grounded and rooted in her life and his life, somebody who's uh, emotionally aware of what's going on within them. They have uh, been strengthened in their emotion. Their inner man is strong. They have great intelligence. And, and I'm not talking about intelligence like Einstein. I'm talking about in, uh, self-awareness intelligence that you know about yourself. So when they come, when they bring that fulfillment, what they're doing is they're bringing a fulfillment to a place that's already whole. And if you're already whole, then the only thing they can do is bring joy with them and bring peace with them and bring happiness with them and bring excitement with them and maybe bring some new adventure uh, into your life. Maybe you, you know, never been skiing before and now this person skis and they'll show you how to ski or maybe you've uh, never done a certain activity. Maybe you've never been to a museum or whatever. So this, when this person comes, they're not coming to an empty vessel trying to fill it from the ground up because that's too much work. They're, they should be coming to a vessel that's already complete and whole, and the only fulfillment they bring is more fulfillment of joy, peace, love, and happiness to your life. A person that comes and they're trying to fill a hole, and they have to try to fill a hole, 
they'll never, ever, ever fill that void or that hole in your life because only God can do that. And it usually when you're empty of something, that hole and that that thing is so deep that it'll take, oh, my God, a lifetime. Try, another human being trying to fill that void will have to spend a lifetime trying to fill it. And so now they're devastated and, and disappointed and mad because while they try to fill your tank, they were getting empty. And there was nobody, there was, there was no mutual exchange. I'm bringing all the fulfillment to your life. You're not doing anything but draining me. So who fulfills me? Who, who, who replenishes me? You can't do it because I'm trying to fill this big old hole that you have in your life. So it's now get your healing and get your void filled before the person shows up. And let them come. And when they come with being the, the fulfillment, they come in with something that's going to bring, that's, that's going to um, magnify or escalate or shine a light on, on a, a, a life of fulfillment that is already present in your life. So if you believe in this, this myth right here, then um, what will happen is you'll fail to recognize a good relationship because your partner is fulfilling the needs you should be fulfilling yourself. You're going you're gonna to miss it. If you don't get whole, if you don't become whole before the person shows up, you will miss the most exciting part of life and the life that the part of life that you say that you're believing God for. That you, and that is the perfect person to show up. That doesn't mean that there will not be disagreements or uh, uh, some disappointments, maybe uh, in some areas, uh, but it's not one-sided. The relationship has to be mutual. It has to be a mutual exchange. When you uh, meet that person, that person needs to be whole and fulfilled. And when he or she meets you, you need to be whole and fulfilled. Um, if, you, if you're feeling uh, emotionally empty uh, before a relationship starts, then you will just feel as empty once you're in a relationship. Because another person can't fill that void. The Spirit of God has to be the one to fill that void on the inside of you. And then um, the last myth is when you experience powerful sexual chemistry with someone, it must be love. Well, it could be lust. And if you give into that, you'll find yourself in a bad situation. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit has the power to keep you from falling, keep you from sinning. So don't put yourself, in a, if you're single, in a position where you're about to experience sexual chemistry. Because when that happens and the relationship ends, I guarantee you, that's going to be a part of you that's going to be disappointed that you did it. You're going to be devastated the relationship did not go any further. And you're going to feel like one of the most important areas of your life has been taken, uh, not necessarily from you, to, and I'm not meaning that literally, but the most imp- one of the most important areas of your life was taken and now it's gone on with somebody else and you can't get it back. So now you're feeling all sad and, you know, and bothered by it. Hot sex is not necessarily love. Okay, people do that stuff all the time. It's not love. The um, the best that you can do in that area is to do what the Word of God says, and that is wait until you are married. Ask God to uh, to um, keep you, to sustain you, and then redirect your energy. God, I'm really attracted to this person. I, this, I feel this urge coming up. Holy Spirit, take control. And don't put yourself in that place, whether you are male or female. Because, you know, as females, we, you know, we already know it from the female perspective that there are a lot of men who will get involved with you sexually and then they're gone about their business. Well, we know that. But we're in a different day and time now. And so it has always been done, but it's more magnified now. You have women that will do the same thing for men. They'll get involved in a relationship for the sexual uh, activity. And once they sexed out, then they go on. And they never, ever 
intended to stay in the relationship, nor did they t- intend to, um, for the relationship to work. They were not sincere. They had no feelings. But they could go through the whole hot, steamy, hard breathing, sweat everywhere, motion, and still get up and walk away from that man and never call him again. And a man, regardless of what they tell you, when you when you take advantage of a man, he has that same emotional hurt, pain, and feelings as when a woman has been taken advantage of. Nobody likes to be ripped off. Nobody likes to be taken advantage of. People just don't like that stuff. And so whether you male or female, if somebody comes in and taps into the intimate, intimate, most intimate part of your being and then walks off with it and leaves you feeling like, I, this is all I wanted, I didn't want anything else with you, it was just about the sex, I'm not interested in you, emotionally you will be wounded by that. I guarantee you. Was that all she wanted me for? She just wanted sex? What was she bothering with me for? I was looking for something more serious than that. Those people know all of that when they do it. That's why you have to guard yourself, as the Word of God says, guard your heart with all diligence. You have to pray for discernment. And if you're one of those people who's done it in the past, you have to pray for deliverance. That is not God's will. And a lot of times when we have been wounded in that area or in similar areas, we go out. If you're not healed, you can go out and you become the perpetrator. And you start trying to get back at somebody who's going on. And so here you are now constantly having sex with different people thinking you that you got the upper hand on it and the reality is you don't because everybody that you sleep with you don't even know what's happening right here and you go home fuck you you walk off like you're not frustrated but when you get to the privacy of your own home in the recesses of your mind in your own private mind you are devastated you are disappointed that nothing works for you you have to really really reprogram yourself uh to be to be a spiteful vengeful uh, angry person and choose to stay that way for it not to bother you, and then it still will bother you. So that's the those are the myths about love. And then you really want to uh, get yourself together. If you want the right relationship, you have to make sure you have some love intelligence. You have to really pull yourself together and say, what is it that I know about love, about being single? What does the Word of God say about being single? And then I have to say, can I believe that? truth in the word the word of god said for the unmarried man the unmarried woman to be concerned about the things of the lord and how you may please them is that all to being single well of course we know that's not all but we know that's the priority what else do i know about being single well i know that being single the word of god says that i am to learn to be content in this state if i can learn to be content in this state then i can be proud of who god has created me to be because i know that when it's time for the next state i have i have learned everything in this particular state that I'm supposed to learn. And even if my, my class is over, I can still sit here until God is till God graduates me or moves me to the next level and not lose sight that God has done a good work in me. And until the right time, I will not release anything until it's the right time to release it. Can I sit here in this single state and be satisfied right here, knowing and believing that I'm a good person, I'm valuable, I'm a reward to somebody, and not sell myself short and give myself away to the first joker that comes along, the first woman that comes along, can I can I say no to anybody that doesn't fit the pattern that God said is a, is uh, appropriate for my life? Can I reject loneliness? Can I reject fear? Can I reject 
anxiety? Can I reject depression? Can I reject those things? Because all of that is from the enemy. And the word says that if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. So when I'm content at being a single, I can resist any trial, fiery door, temptation that the enemy sends my way, I can reject it, still be victorious, and still be a good person while I'm single. I can still be that precious gem. I can still be the reward to somebody. So what do I think about being single determines how I handle my singleness, and it determines how I handle relationships. And the best way to handle them is to be aware of what my feelings are. How do I feel about love? You know, did I get uh, dumped so many times that I really, really am angry and just don't want to be loved? by I don't want to love anybody and don't want to be loved. That's the wrong place. God is love. And so if that's where you are, you need to be delivered. But if you are whole and healthy, then you need to protect the love that, that God has taught you about until the person comes along who's supposed to experience that love with you. And then, so not only how do I feel about being single, how do I feel um, about love, how do I handle relationships? Well, I handle relationships with the same care and with the same integrity and dignity that I want people to handle me. I don't want to handle a relationship in a raggedy way and then turn around and want God to bless me with the best man walking. It is unfair for me to pray and ask God to send somebody to love me and I turn around and be unlovable or hard to love. That is not a mutual exchange. So how do I handle relationships? I handle them with the same integrity and the same respect and the same value that I value that I want the person who's going to come into my life to handle me with. And so whether I'm end up dating you and if it doesn't go anywhere, still can even if I date you and it doesn't lead to marriage, I still need to be able to make a transition from that relationship and I still should be able to come out speaking good words about you, positive things. I still can make that transition without being angry, without being mad. I'm talking about in a, a healthy. I'm not talking about an unhealthy situation. In a healthy dating relationship, I should be able to do that. And if it doesn't lead to marriage, I still should have a high regards for you. I still should be able to respect you, you know, because if you read the scriptures, we're supposed to be fellowshipping with one another. I shouldn't have to go to the nightclub to find out who God has for me or who I think anyway that God has for me. I should be hanging out at the club trying to try to fit in with the world trying to get a date, you know. I shouldn't be at the sports bar trying to get a date. I'm not going to get the right one there. And whatever you whatever you practice when you caught them, you will have to keep practicing. So if you if you met somebody in the club, you're going to meet them in the club, and then two months later say, well, you know, I just went to the club to meet somebody. You know I'm a Christian. I, I don't go to clubs. No. That person is going to remind you, you went to the – I met you in the club. And so then they're going to be wanting you to go back to the club with them. And so now you have put yourself in a position – that you may feel like you have to keep doing that. So, well, you know what? Mm-mm. How do I handle relationships? I handle them the same way I want to be handled. So I'm not going to go looking for a relationship in a place where I would not want to be found, period. That's it. And so that's how I'm going to handle the relationship. And so I'm going to open up the air line, the, the lines for you. I want to hear your comments, your feedback, any questions that you have. Um, if you're in the chat room, you can type your questions in the chat room if you're by phone and you have a comment, and I want to encourage you. This is a conversation. Remember, I said we're having a conversation. So press the number one on your uh, telephone at any time, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to call out the last four digits of your number and not your whole number. I'll call out the last four digits. So please, by all means, press the number four. Uh, I mean, I'm, 
number one. And if you're in the chat room, just type it uh, in the chat room, and I will um, read your com- your comment or your question out loud if you're in the chat room. And so I want to hear your your feedback, or I want to um, I want you to ask questions. So this is the time where we dialogue before we close out. So. Somebody say something. Remember, I said it's a good, you know, it's good that we can conversate with each other. So I really need to hear your feedback, especially for the singles that are on the line or in the chat room. Let's have a conversation about being single or, or what it is that you desire in a relationship or where are you in this? What is your love intelligence? Somebody talk to me. What is your love intelligence? What have you learned uh, about um, uh, love relationships or, or what are you experiencing in uh, your relationships? No one? Okay. Press the number one if you want to talk. If not, uh, I'll just recap it and then we'll uh, close until tomorrow evening at 7.30 Central Standard Time. And we'll we'll be doing part two um, of the uh, series. And certainly uh, I'm going to encourage you not to miss uh, any of the shows if you can. And uh, so tomorrow night we're going to be talking about um, why we choose the people that we love. And uh, remember, I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to be asking you the question and giving you the answer. Have you ever wanted a responsible, mature partner only to end up with an irresponsible, unreliable partner who drove you crazy? And so we're going to be talking about the things that um, that are in our spirits that – uh, prompt us to choose the people that um, that we actually choose in our relationship. And a lot of times we don't realize that um, a lot of it comes from our past experiences, whether it's in our family relationships, how we grew, how we grew up. It comes from past uh, relationship experiences. It comes from irrational beliefs and thoughts that we have about relationships, uh, also about the thoughts and irrational beliefs that we have about ourselves. You know, it comes from that. And then because they're not healthy, then we make some bad choices, uh, and uh, and sometimes we um, make those choices based on what we think that we can do for the other person to get them to a better place, and that doesn't always work either. And so it, when we choose the person that we choose, it has to be from a healthy uh, state of mind and from a healthy uh, being. And so I want to encourage you, please join me on tomorrow evening at 7.30 Central Time for uh, Why We Choose the people uh, that we love, and we're going to talk about why we choose the people that we do. So I want to thank you for joining me on tonight, for giving of your time. I really appreciate it. I value you uh, greatly for sacrificing uh, this last hour or so uh, to join in the show and to listen in. God bless you. I pray that you have a great, wonderful evening, and I'll see you on tomorrow night. (laughs) 